BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Why is AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. did not have any sound. I apologize for that. This is Off the Script. Smackdown and AEW Rampage post-show for March 25th, 2022. I am JD from New York, and I'm coming to you live, as always, from the OTS venue. Thank you guys very much for joining me on your Friday nights, wherever you may be. I'll tell you what, man. SmackDown, we all know, is absolute dog shit. We know SmackDown is absolute dog shit every single weekend. And it's WrestleMania season, you'd think otherwise. You would think that SmackDown would actually be good. You would think WWE television would be good. Heading into the biggest show of the year. Stephen A. Smith... With Triple H today actually called WrestleMania or WrestleMania season, it's the Super Bowl. It's the Super Bowl of professional wrestling. And WWE seemingly has gotten it wrong, as always, every single year, once again this year, for 2022. I'm going to save the SmackDown rants for a little bit later. You guys all know about SmackDown. I'm not here to... uh, start to show off with SmackDown when we had breaking news today about Triple H and his first real interview since his cardiac event last September. 
Triple H today announced his retirement from WWE. Triple H announced his retirement from professional wrestling. And you know, you guys know how I feel about this. You guys know how I feel about this. And it is it is something that I think we all knew. It is something that I think we all knew about Triple H and Nobody should be surprised about him stepping away from in-ring competition. I don't want to talk too much about it, but I want to go over what he said in the interview with Stephen A. Smith today because I did spend a good chunk of time today recording episode 423 of the podcast, which you guys will see tomorrow. Uh, If I have some extra time tonight, I will upload it early for all my VIPs that want to sign up and join the channel as a member and sit VIP with me in the OTS venue. I'll upload that sometime early, early this morning after I get done with this SmackDown post show. Triple H was on Stephen A. Smith. First take. He looks great. Interview was about 15 minutes long. It wasn't some long, drawn-out affair today. I've seen the excerpts of it on Twitter. And I wanted to watch the full thing before I actually sat here tonight. I actually watched it during the shitty SmackDown episode that we got. Triple H, to see the man actually break down and get emotional. It actually brought a couple of tears to my eye. Talking about his daughters and he's talking about how he comes home and he's pretty much Superman to his daughters and his wife, Stephanie. And he's got something wrong with him. And he doesn't know how to portray that. And he doesn't know how to show that to others after he has been this larger-than-life character for all of his career. Seeing Triple H break down today and basically be brought to tears, he stopped himself a couple of times actually made me tear up and to see somebody like Triple H that we've all admired and looked up to and saw the body of work that he did in WWE. It's an amazing thing for him to sit there and be so open about everything and to see the man break down and to see the man weak. We watched him on TV in our younger ages. We watched him on TV in our adult life seeing what he did, taking NXT to the great heights that he did, how great his influence has been all over pro wrestling, whether you loved him or hated him. Triple H has been one of the best ever. To see the man break down and cry today, it was kind of eye-opening, man. It was actually quite sad. I had had one of my best friends, Pete. He actually texted me today. He said he saw the interview, and he, he went through his own his own life-altering experience, you know, he, he was also in the hospital very ill. And thankfully, he, he, he pulled through it. And he told me today watching that brought him back to the memory of him laying in the hospital bed. He thought he wasn't going to make it out of whatever he was dealing with. And it brought him to tears just watching somebody like Triple H and, and how we know of Triple H and what, we, what we've seen of Triple H to see that man brought to tears it was a very it was a very emotional interview when he started talking about how he 
felt weak and he needed to be strong for his family. Hunter talked about his father, his grandfather, his great-grandfather dying young. He praised WWE's wellness program and said that he never had issues and he had a bit of an enlarged heart, but there was never any indication that he would have serious issues before September. He said that Stephanie was a rock for him and he doesn't know if his daughters fully understood the consequences of his health issues and the health care makes you appreciate things in life much more. And why he hasn't spoken about this until now. Triple H did give a very political answer. WWE was never going to allow Triple H to talk about this. Never give him clearance to talk about it. They wanted to keep it concealed. And they wanted to keep it under the rug for whatever reason. Mostly Triple H. Triple H came out and said, not saying anything is because of not knowing. That's the answer that he gave. And he didn't want to misspeak on anything. If WWE allowed him to immediately make a statement on this, everybody probably would have ended up blaming WWE. Everything fell in line with the way WWE wanted. They closed NXT down. They rebuilt NXT and Bruce Prichard and Vince McMahon's image. And if Triple H had a heart attack right around that same time, WWE would have had a PR nightmare. WWE was never going to allow Triple H to say anything while the rebranding of NXT was going on because everybody under the sun would have attributed the heart attack to Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard and Nick Khan absolutely gutting and removing everything Triple H from NXT. So there's a reason why everything came much, much, much later as far as an explanation is concerned. He gave his own explanation, not knowing anything. He didn't want to misspeak on anything. Triple H confirmed that he will never wrestle again. His in-ring career is over. He said he was already in a place where he was comfortable being done, and he had a conversation about doing something at WrestleMania in Dallas, but his health scare shut all that down. Did WWE really have an idea for Triple H well before the cardiac events? This would be last summer. They talked about Triple H possibly doing something at WrestleMania with who? Nobody nobody knows. Nobody will ever know. Plans were shut down. But did WWE have a plan for Triple H at WrestleMania? I don't know. Did Triple H want to wrestle at WrestleMania? I don't know. Who would have made sense for Triple H to wrestle at WrestleMania? I don't know. But he says that there were plans in place for him to wrestle in Dallas, but his health scare shut all that down. In regards to his role in WWE, his endurance is not fully back, but he's back in the office and fully focused on recruiting for the future, and he wants to find more people like Gable Steveson. WWE put Triple H in charge of their NIL program, taking collegiate athletes and professional sports athletes and giving them a platform in WWE if they want to be a professional wrestler. Kids out of college, lacrosse, football, you name it, cheerleaders, athletics, Olympics. Triple H is going to be spearheading that. So he still has his take. He still has his hand in finding the future of WWE. But Triple H is in charge of something that Nick Khan, Bruce Prichard, and Vince McMahon set forth. This is not Triple H's idea. This is not Triple H's idea of how he wanted to find talent. He probably is going along with it because at some point he did end up agreeing with their way to find talent because it's it's the old way of how WWE used to do things. But the way Triple H used to go out and find talent, he used to send William Regal out there. He used to send all his handymen out there and they went and scouted every independent show in the fucking world 
to fund the best pro wrestlers to bring on into the WWE and make them WWE superstars. Triple H may be in charge of the NIL program, but the NIL program is not Triple H's idea. Triple H is only a puppet to find talent for Vince and Bruce the way Vince and Bruce want talent to be scouted. They didn't want professional wrestlers. They didn't want women over the age of 30. They didn't want men over the age of 30. They didn't want anybody five foot eight or below. They didn't want anybody under 215 pounds. Triple H is in charge of Bruce Pritchard and Vince McMahon's vision. He's lucky to even have that. Don't get me started. He wants more Gable Stevenson. On his thoughts on the current product. He says they are feeling like they are just scratching the surface on what they want to be internationally. And there's a next level of athletes coming in. He said that people don't pay. This is what I, I, I actually loved this next line. It really does put things in perspective. It really does. And this is clearly a Vince McMahon thing. But I like this comparison. He said people don't pay to see their next door neighbor And WWE is looking to find someone that is larger than life. WWE doesn't want you to pay to see their next door neighbor. You want to see your next door neighbor? Go look out your window. You can get a look at him for free every fucking day you want. We're not bringing in your next door neighbor. WWE is looking to find somebody that is larger than life. He named Roman Reigns, Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, Ronda Rousey, Brock Lesnar as people who transcended the business. John Cena transcended the business. The Rock is the biggest movie star on the planet. He transcends the world, does Dwayne Johnson. He even said John Cena, nobody looked at John Cena and said he was going to amount to anything. They said John Cena would barely do anything. He ended up transcending the business. And if you want to really put a argument amongst wrestling fans, some may actually put John Cena on their Mount Rushmore. Triple H put over Pat McAfee. And said that he has his own ring at home. And that he's trained in wrestling for years. Stephen A. Smith then joked that he could be a bad guy manager. And looked at Bobby the Brain Heenan and Paul Heyman as influences for what he does. Triple H agreed that he could do it. Because most people want to punch Stephen A. Smith in the face. Like I said, the interview was about 15 minutes. You guys can go on YouTube and find it if you want. It's worth a listen. It's very eye-opening. It's great to see him break things down. It's great to see him emotional. It's great to see him breathing. It's great to see him alive. Triple H. You know, I could sit here and rant all over again. I'll give you guys the fucking history of it. I don't need to do it because you know exactly where my heart lies. My heart lies in that NXT vision that Triple H had. That NXT vision was going to be the way of the future for WWE. And if you don't agree with that, get the fuck out. Get the fuck out of here. NXT under Triple H is his greatest creation. It's the greatest thing he's done in his career. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, whatever Triple H did as an executive, whatever Triple H did to cultivate talent, whatever Triple H did to create a team, whatever Triple H did to bring in talent and be in that performance center to show and teach and guide and mold Everybody who came in from the Indies who wanted to be a WWE superstar, his influence over that entire performance center, everything Triple H did from setting forth the black and gold 
Everything Triple H did to make NXT the best pro wrestling show on the face of the planet. Everything Triple H did to give you quality over quantity, not the bullshit that you see today. Everything that Triple H did to introduce you to new talents. Everything Triple H did for NXT to show you how valuable pay-per-view really is and what the meaning of pay-per-view is to show you the value of pay-per-view. Everything Triple H did to show you exactly what the future should be in WWE with his vision in NXT. Everything Triple H did with NXT was his greatest crown achievement in his entire career. Triple H as an executive, Triple H as the man in NXT will never be topped by anybody in WWE. His influence is greater as an executive than it was as an in-ring performer, and you can fucking quote me on that up and down until you're blue in the face. Nothing that that man did in his entire career was greater than what he achieved in NXT. And you know what they did to him? They fucking cut him down. They shut him out. Because they knew he was doing it better than anybody. They knew that it was the way. They didn't want that. Now you see NXT 2.0. What exactly is the way down there? They're not even pushing new talent. You'll see a little sprinkle here, a little sprinkle there of new talent, a Braun Breaker there or a Tony D'Angelo there. Mandy Rose is your NXT Women's Champion and Dolph Ziggler is your NXT Men's Champion. Some great young youthful fucking talent that they got down there that they're pushing to the moon. There's a reason why Triple H is not there and it's because Bruce Pritchard and Vince McMahon wanted him gone. Don't get me started. Don't get me started. I talk about Triple H's influence tomorrow. Off the script, episode 423. We talked about what he did in the interview and what he said in the interview here today. Tomorrow, we're going to go over the man's influence. Triple H will be missed, man. It's a shame what they did to that man to push him out. Shame what they did to push that man out. I appreciate you guys very much for joining me right here on Off the Script, man. We got a lot to go over here tonight. We're going to break down this SmackDown show. SmackDown was dog shit as usual. Charlotte and Ronda, absolute atrocious booking. Ricochet, twice a loser tonight. Another women's match that was actually not that bad, but my goodness, man. Champions losing left and right. Ridge Holland loses to Xavier Woods in about 90 seconds. DeAndre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal was announced for WrestleMania SmackDown next week. If you're wondering what that is, it's not WrestleMania. Finn Balor and Damian Priest are not on WrestleMania's card. They're in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. WWE's got time to book Logan Paul in a storyline. WWE's got time to book Johnny Knoxville in a storyline. But Ricochet, Finn Balor, the Intercontinental and United States champions don't have a fucking WrestleMania spot. Don't kill the messenger. I told you guys exactly what was coming. When the fuck are you gonna sit there and appreciate my honesty, man? I don't say shit to be cool. I don't say shit to act all tough. 
I don't say shit to get clicks. I say shit that needs to be said. You don't like it? Get the fuck out. We'll go over that. AEW news as well. Tony Khan is looking to sign some major free agents, man. Some major free agents. One was actually announced kind of tonight. Who is she? I'll give my opinion on it. I hope it's one or the other. I hope it's really one, but it could be one or the other. So we will talk about that. And we will go over Rampage as well tonight, man. Again, thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Friday nights. Hit that thumbs up. I see 455 likes on the live stream chat. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. We need a thousand minimum on today's OTS Smackdown and Rampage post show. Super chats are open. Get them on in. We'll hang out at the end of the show. As always, let me know what you guys think of the Triple H situation. Let me know what you guys think of Smackdown, Rampage, the news. Coming out of Rampage, sound off in the Super Chats, man. We will read them at the end of the show. Hit that join button. Become a VIP right here on Off The Script. You guys get access to those emotes. You guys get access to those badges next to your name. Showing off your VIP status. Make sure you guys go and do that for me. I would really, really appreciate it. YouTube sent me a notification saying that we have accumulated over 400 new Members in the VIP room, man. That's a lot of members in the VIP room, man. I don't even know if I got... Do I got room in the VIP room for 400 people? No. I'm going to have to build myself a bigger venue, man. Maybe sometime this summer. Maybe we'll get an outdoor beer garden. Hint, hint. Also, go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel, man. There's a ton of content. Monday night. Wednesday night. Tuesday night. I skipped Tuesday. Tuesday night, I did do an NXT review. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then WWE 2K22 gameplay, My Rise, all on the channel, including today's episode, episode two, where I wrestled Titus O'Neil. For what? A plate of green beans, apparently. Go check all that stuff out, man. Tons of content on the channel. And then I'll be back with OTS 423 tomorrow afternoon. Go get your t-shirts, bonfire.com. And then check out my sponsor for today's show, man. Audible, audibletrial.com slash script. 30 days free and one free audiobook of your choice. Let's start off with SmackDown, man. Caleb Braxton was there with Brock Lesnar at the start of the show. Caleb was there, asked Brock Lesnar if he's thought about the consequences of his actions last week when he pretty much impaled Roman Reigns' limousine with a... Forklift. Lesnar says he has thought about the consequences. He says he's paid some fines and also purchased some new vehicles. He said one was one of the SUVs that he destroyed for Roman. And he said he got Roman a new SUV, but it's not in black. It's in blood red. He said upper management had a talk with him, telling him not to have contact with Roman Reigns unless he was provoked. He said tonight, He's going to hang out in Roman Reigns' locker room and wait for a good provoking. The camera then followed Lesnar into Roman Reigns' locker room. And I tell you, man, Roman Reigns has a very posh locker room inside the Barclays Center, man. What a setup this guy had. He had catering done right. He had a bowl of grapes. He had bottles of champagne. He had a big screen TV, a nice luxurious leather couch, some tables. Awesome stuff in there, man. I mean, you could have a whole fucking after party in Roman Reigns' locker room. 
Awesome stuff. He walked in. He said, this is not bad. Not bad for Roman. This is what they give him Roman Reigns. So he kicked up his feet onto the uh, little table there in the TV lounge area. And he broke the table forcefully with his cowboy boots and destroyed whatever was on the table. Accidentally. Quote, unquote. So Lesnar's in the locker room at the start of SmackDown waiting for Roman Reigns. Rick Boogs started the show, played his electric guitar on the stage, and the crowd sang along to him. I, I like the fact that Boogs is getting over. I do. I'm a big fan of Boogs. Me and Boogs got a lot of similarities as far as what, as far as what we listen to on a regular basis, man, with our musical tastes. I'd like to get a one-on-one with Boogs about music. One of these days. But Rick Boogs and Nakamura are getting a tag team title match against the Usos at WrestleMania. Not all that interested in it. I got to be blatantly honest with you. Not all that interested in it. The only reason why this match is happening is because there are no other tag teams on the SmackDown side of things for the Usos to go and wrestle at WrestleMania. And this is a last ditch effort to get them on the card. How did they get this match on WrestleMania? Shinsuke Nakamura, or I believe Rick Boogs, actually beat Jimmy Uso in a match. And then, of course, we had Shinsuke Nakamura wrestling Jay Uso, I believe it was tonight. So this is typical WWE tag team booking. One versus one matches until we get the tag team match at the pay-per-view. So the match itself went, I guess, a little decent. They went about 10 minutes. Didn't need to go 10 minutes, but it went 10 minutes. Usos jumped in the ring. They tried to attack Boogs and Nakamura before the bell. They did go to commercial. When they came back, Nakamura's music was still playing. So it must have been playing all through the beatdown of the pre-match attack. Match started after we got back from commercial. This was Jimmy Uso, not Jay Uso. Jay Uso wrestled Rick Boogs. Jimmy Uso wrestled Shinsuke Nakamura tonight. What difference does it make? It doesn't make any fucking difference. The Usos are losers. It's pretty much the one similarity that they have going into WrestleMania. Jimmy had an advantage. Shoulder tackle. Worked the submission on Nakamura. Nakamura broke free. Jimmy came back with another shoulder tackle. Nakamura started to make a comeback at a running knee on Jimmy. Draped over the apron. Jimmy started to fight back. Took Nakamura out with a clothesline. Followed up with a back suplex. Jimmy then slowed the pace down with, you guessed it, Everybody slows the WWE match down with the chin lock. It's their go-to move, man. The chin lock. It can't be a wrist lock. It's not a leg lock. It's not an ankle lock. It's not a fucking sleeper hold. It's a chin lock. Everybody does it, man. From the top all the way to the bottom. Send Nakamura to the floor, set up for a dive. Nakamura recovered, caught him with a kick to the head. So Jimmy was in control. Nakamura made a babyface comeback with a drop kick. Nakamura then hit a running knee in the corner. Jimmy tried to get away from Nakamura at this point, but Nakamura hit a knee off the second turnbuckle. Nakamura set up for the Kinshasa, but Jay attacked Rick Boogs at ringside. Took his guitar and went to attack him at ringside. Jimmy took advantage of this distraction. Hit a super kick for a two count on Nakamura. Jay was upset, so he grabbed Boog's guitar, like I said. 
And Boogs got back to his feet, grabbed the guitar. Boogs then threw Jay into the ring post. Jimmy was distracted, which allowed Nakamura to hit the Kinshasa for the one, two, three. The Usos. Jimmy lost to Shinsuke Nakamura here tonight. Jay lost to Rick Boogs a couple of weeks ago, which actually got them the tag team title match at WrestleMania. If pro wrestling one-on-one is any indication to you, ladies and gentlemen, the Usos lost both of these singles matches. The Usos will not be losing at WrestleMania. I just don't see the Usos losing at WrestleMania when we all know that Roman Reigns is going to win the undisputed World Heavyweight Championship in WWE, and he will be beating Brock Lesnar to close out WrestleMania on night two. Roman is not going to win, and then the Usos lose. The bloodline will be stronger than ever in appearance, but the Usos really need some new blood, some new competition in that tag team division. They really do. This is downright fucking pathetic. And the Usos losing not once but twice to justify these two guys getting a tag team championship match is fucking lazy. It should never be a thing. WWE wouldn't have to go to the lengths of Jimmy and Jay Uso losing individual matches. They're tag team champions. Why are they fucking losing? Why? Why is any champion losing on television? I don't get it. It's fucking pissing me off the more times I see it on WWE television. It sucks. This is one thing you'll never see on AEW television. You could fucking bookmark me saying that too. I'll get called a shill just for saying the God's honest truth. WWE needs a new tag team division. This is fucking shit. This should not be. Nakamura and Boogs are not winning the tag team championships just based off what has happened in the last couple of weeks. And I will say this. Rick Boogs is getting over. Shinsuke Nakamura should be on his own. Shinsuke Nakamura should get a nice little run. Something that really WWE gets behind. But WWE doesn't understand that. At some point, these two are not going to be a team anymore. They'll go their separate ways respectfully. And I honestly think that's the best way to go about it. And the only reason why they're together right now is because WWE has no tag team division. They're using these two as a crutch to present some fucking tag team division that honestly does not exist. Merge the divisions. End the brand split. Everything will be fixed once you go and do that. I promise you. I'll even hold your hand while you make the decision, Bruce. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of, man? Fix your fucking tag team division. This shit is garbage. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great 
talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash blue wire sports offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com slash blue wire sports. That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire sports terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. WWE after this match announced that Shad Gaspard is going to receive the 2022 Warrior Award. This was announced and that will be announced during the Hall of Fame next Friday. I will not be watching the Hall of Fame. I will not be watching the Hall of Fame live at least. I will not even be watching SmackDown next week. I will be here live on YouTube because I will have watched the Ring of Honor Supercard of Honor show. And we will be sitting in the venue talking about Ring of Honor and Tony Khan's first Ring of Honor pay-per-view. Nothing WWE-related on next week's live stream. So that should make a lot of you very, very happy. Chad Gaspard winning the award is long overdue. You talk about real-life heroes, man. There are not many people that you can call a real-life hero. This man is a real-life hero. He gave his life to save his son. That's all that needs to be said. They should name the award after him. If not, they should merge the Warrior and Shad Gaspard Awards into the same thing. The Shad Gaspard Warrior Award is what they should really be calling it. Kayla Braxton, she interviewed Drew McIntyre about facing Happy Corbin. Happy Corbin and Drew McIntyre got a large pay-per-view fucking video package and they can't even find time to put Finn Balor or Ricochet on the WrestleMania card. It's unbelievable to me. Drew McIntyre and Happy Corbin. Drew said Corbin and Madcap Moss tried to end his career. He says he's been enjoying making his life a living hell since he's returned. He said it makes him happy. He said he should take him out tonight, but he wants to do it at WrestleMania on the grandest stage of them all, in front of the most eyeballs possible. He said he wants to take that stupid, smug, pathetic grin off of Corbin's face permanently. I wish that they take. I wish that they would take that stupid, smug, pathetic grin off of Corbin's face off of TV completely, altogether. Never mind taking it off of him permanently while he comes back and fused with somebody else after WrestleMania. Just take him off TV permanently. He's a waste of fucking roster space. It's the worst gimmick in all of pro wrestling. Does anybody find it funny? And does anybody find it entertaining? No. Nobody does. If you do, you got some fucking sick and twisted problem. Backstage, Happy Corbin saw this and he talked to Boogs or, uh, well, not Boogs, uh, Madcap about their plans to embarrass McIntyre at WrestleMania on Saturday. He said he'd get an Academy Award for happiest man standing in a leading role as he celebrates over his unconscious body. Madcap Moss said the name for his movie could be called Bald Fellows. Sounds like I should be starring in that one. You don't want to see what's under the hat. I do have hair. I just joke. Corbin shot Moss a dirty look and said, no. Have you guys realized or picked up the fact that Baron Corbin isn't finding Madcap Moss's jokes funny anymore? Are they really going to break them away? Is, is Happy Corbin going back to the regular Baron Corbin? I know Madcap's got a ton of potential. The gimmick sucks. The name sucks. But... He himself as a performer is somebody that I'd like to see break out. He's got a great look. He's got a great uh, promo. He's not that bad at all. 
Guy can talk. Guy can go in the ring. Let him go. The fuck you pairing him with Happy Corbin for? There's nothing redeeming about that at all. Sheamus, Rich Holland, and Pete Dunn. You know, Pete Dunn. The guy that they got parading out there like a little schoolboy, paperboy. Sheamus is out there with Rich Holland and Pete Dunn against Kofi Kingston. So the announcer, or the ring announcer, what's her name? Samantha Irving. She actually gave away what was going to happen before it actually happened. She announced Kofi Kingston being led to the ring by Xavier Woods or being accompanied by Xavier Woods. But Kofi Kingston came out by himself. So she undoubtedly spoiled the surprise early for everybody that Xavier Woods is back on SmackDown. So out comes Xavier Woods because Xavier Woods is actually the one wrestling Rich Holland on SmackDown tonight. So this match lasted a minute. If you blinked, it was over. Holland yelled at Kingston at ringside. He speared Xavier out of the, not out of the ring, but out of midair. And then he yelled at Kofi Kingston because I guess he wanted to gloat about how he speared Xavier Woods out of midair. Xavier Woods then surprised Holland with a sudden small package for the one, two, three. Literally 60 seconds. Rich Holland has had an absolutely abysmal run on SmackDown. Guy can't catch a break at all. Broke his nose at day one. Broke Big E's neck a couple of weeks ago. The guy can't seem to get his footing right in the ring on anything. He loses left and right. I think he's won maybe one match against Cesaro in his entire run on WWE television. He doesn't come out to his own theme music. He's not his own person. He just comes out to Sheamus' theme music because Sheamus is the star of the act. Sheamus is the big bad veteran in Fight Club here. Or Fight Night, whatever the fuck they're calling him. None of these guys have their own personality. All Sheamus. They're all a product of Sheamus. I will say this, man. You know, Rich Holland, I feel bad for him. I do. But Rich Holland, Sheamus, and Butch, Pete Dunne, is now, his name is now Butch, if you guys don't know or, or watch SmackDown. Yes, Pete Dunne is now renamed Butch. Pete Dunne, I don't know if I have the fucking... Do I have the article about Pete Dunne? Pete Dunne was actually quoted about when he found out about the whole fucking renaming. He shares his thoughts on changing his name to Butch. I'll get to that in a second, but but the point I was trying to make. Sheamus, Rich Holland, and Pete Dunne, the makeup of the group is fucking great. You know, there are people like that. There are groups like that in real life. I can believe that they are who they are. I don't get the name change. I, I don't see what the name change is doing for Pete Dunn. Butch, I honestly think it's fucking terrible. It's an embarrassment. The one thing I have a problem with is the fact that he was Pete Dunn for five fucking years, and then all of a sudden you want me to call him something else after we've known him for five years, six years, as Pete Dunn. That's the fucking issue I got with it. The other issue is I don't see Butch... Main eventing, main events on Raw or SmackDown with that fucking name. I don't see him in the headlines for a major pay-per-view match with the name Butch. You're stifling his career with that type of name. The name change of Pete Dunne actually takes my interest away from what they're trying to do with these guys. That's how bad it is. Because I know exactly where he's going with that name. Nowhere. 
Nowhere. He could be a great in-ring tag. Have we seen him in the ring yet? Has he wrestled on SmackDown? He's out there dressed as a fucking paper boy. We haven't seen him wrestle yet. When I see him wrestling, maybe I'll have a different take on Pete Dunne as Butch. I want to see what they actually take away from him and his arsenal when he gets in the ring. Because I'll know right away what the fuck they've done with him. I've watched Pete Dunne for six years. You're not going to fucking get one over on me. The group itself is great. I could see them and they look great together. The name change takes me completely out of whatever they're trying to do and whatever they're trying to sell me on with Fight Night. Now, Pete Dunne, he shared his thoughts on moving to the main roster from NXT. He says, it's exciting. I think because I've been in NXT for five years now. So it's time to change it up. See, what we can do and start pushing forward with it with a new challenge, I was lucky to have been as long as I did in NXT. And to be honest, there was a time there when I felt like it'd just be a shame to stop being in NXT. Obviously, we always wanted to move on and be part of WrestleMania and that kind of stuff. But there's definitely a time where NXT was rolling. Yeah, under Triple H. Nobody wanted to leave when Triple H was in charge. They couldn't wait to get the fuck out of there when they saw what happened to it. There were so many people to work with. Every matchup was exciting. We were on the road, TV takeover, but it's definitely time to move up. I'm grateful for five years, but it's exciting to see what comes next. His thoughts on the name change. He says it's exciting, but it's also a little bit different. So he doesn't like it. It's exciting because he's supposed to say that, but it's also different where deep down he doesn't like it. But I think it's time to change it up a little bit. After five years, why not try something a little new? Why not try something a little new? You were forced to change your name. You were given some shit name and you had no fucking say in if you wanted to keep it or change it. You had no say in anything. You were given this fucking name and you were given the name to like it and get it over. And ultimately, it will fail. Whether it's a name or whatever it is, that's not really what endeared me to the audience in the first place. I like to think it's quality of the in-ring work. Yes, because WWE main roster is so, so big on in-ring work, right? It's so big on guys like Pete Dunne in the ring. So so big on guys like Pete Dunne that WWE has absolutely driven away some of the best in-ring talent. And they now work for Tony Khan, right? I like to think it's quality of the in-ring work. That is, if we ever get to see him in the ring. Rich Holland got drafted to SmackDown in October. When was the first time we saw Rich Holland? January? I like to think it's the quality of the in-ring work, and that's what I'm going to keep doing. It's going to get better. (laughs) It's going to get better, man. It's going to get worse. It's going to get less and less and less and less. Those matches with Walter, man, they'll be nothing more than a figment of your imagination. It's going to get better. It's going to improve as time goes on. So that's sort of my perspective on it. If I can endear the crowd with the quality of my in-ring work, that's what I'm going to continue to do. Sure thing, bro. Sure thing, man. You keep telling yourself that, man. Whatever makes you sleep easy at night, man. Whatever makes you sleep easy at night. Give me a fucking break. Xavier Woods wins in one minute. Paul Heyman. 
and Roman Reigns. They were in their uh, limousine or their uh, their SUV, whatever fucking vehicle they were driving this week that Brock Lesnar was ultimately going to destroy. Heyman introduced Reigns. Reigns says he knows the fans are dying to acknowledge him in Brooklyn. He talked about a great steakhouse visit earlier with great sides. At least five grand worth of sides, he said. That's a lot of fucking side dishes, man. I'm a side dish man myself, but five grand worth of side dishes? Holy shit. Seriously. It was unbelievable. He said they stopped at MSG to revisit the site of bloodying Lesnar. By the way, the steakhouse, I don't remember the steakhouse that Lesnar or that uh, Reigns rather said, but it wasn't Peter Luger's, and it got big boos out of the New York crowd. So it must have been a shit steakhouse or at least competition to Peter Luger's, that the fans in New York City, the fans in Brooklyn, did not care for. Peter Luger's bigger in Brooklyn, man. I don't know. I don't know where he went. Something with a D, I believe he said. I don't know. It was unbelievable. He said they stopped at MSG to revisit the site of bloodying Lesnar. He told Reigns he better get his ass out of his locker room, or else he's going to bust him up and make him bleed again. I like the fact that Roman Reigns cut a promo in a limousine with no crowd. I like the fact that they actually changed it up a bit. So good on them. They could cut a promo in front of the crowd and they could cut a promo in the fucking limousine if they want. Still great. Uh-oh, it's that time, ladies and gentlemen. It's that time. Who needs NyQuil? Who needs a pillow? Who needs some shitty television to help you fall asleep at night when you got Ronda Drowsy? Ding, 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 ding. Why go to CVS and buy NyQuil for $19.99, bro, when you could get Ronda Rousey free of charge? Free. Free. Ronda Rousey. Ronda Drowsy came out to the New York crowd. They, came, they, they went to Del Frisco's Steakhouse. I've never been there. Is that what it was? Del Frisco's or Del Fresco's? I've never been there. I've never been there, man. Is it good? Is it worth going? I, I'm a steakhouse guy myself, man. I like myself a nice filet mignon. I do. I'm a skirt steak guy. I love skirt steak. Every time, man, I love trying everybody's filet mignon, man. It's so easy to do a filet mignon. Melts in your mouth. Plus the side dishes, man. What do you guys get for side dishes? Macaroni and cheese? Mashed potatoes? You like the green beans? You like the grilled asparagus? What, what do you like? What do you like? And, and you know what? Give me an old-fashioned. Give me an old-fashioned. Right? Give me the nice bread with the fucking, the nice whipped butter. Oh. Oh, man. Let's go out to a steakhouse, man. Next meet and greets at a fucking steakhouse, right? Where do you guys want to go? Anyway, Ronda Drowsy, man. I, listen, I may, I may actually lose viewers because I'm talking about Ronda Drowsy. I may actually put you all to sleep just reading what she said. Ronda Drowsy was in the middle of the ring. I'm not going to take the title from Charlotte. Instead, I'm going to tap her out and force her to hand me the title. Charlotte, leave your high heels and excuses backstage and get your Barbie ass out here. And then all of a sudden, Charlotte appears on the big screen. This was absolute cringe. Not as cringe as Becky Lynch reciting fucking Frodo Baggins on Monday Night Raw or Gollum on Monday Night Raw. You guys know what Becky Lynch did. 
Nobody is going to take my precious the little hobbitses. That was Becky Lynch on Monday night. Yet the fucking checkmark geeks said it was one of the best promos of all time. Maybe they should be in the fucking cave with Gollum. Get them out of the fucking community. I'll take their little precious, the little hobbitses. Charlotte then came on the big screen with this fucking annoying ass smile on her face. She said, it was a great speech. It was a great speech, Ronda Rousey. Did you actually think that you'd come to Brooklyn tonight and see me? She called Brooklyn a low-rent city. She said, Rousey is the contender while I am the champion. Ronda Rousey then got angry. She leaned over the top rope as if that was intimidating. And she said, I know exactly who you are, Charlotte. When I was 14 years old, I broke my first arm, and I liked it. I was so proud of myself, and I started to keep count until I eventually lost count. Charlotte then mocked her and said, oh, I'm shaking in my boots. Charlotte then said the only way she'd get satisfaction is throwing Ronda Rousey off the Brooklyn Bridge at this point, given what she's already done to her. Can we throw Bruce Pritchard off the fucking Brooklyn Bridge as well. Get him out of here. Throw the fucking microphone off the Brooklyn Bridge and get it away from Ronda Rousey. She wants to throw Ronda Rousey off the Brooklyn Bridge. Charlotte said she'll see her at WrestleMania. Ronda Rousey then said, Charlotte, if I beat her at WrestleMania, it'll be the biggest win of my career. Or if Charlotte beats Ronda Rousey, it'll be the biggest win of her career. Who the fuck cares? Who beats who? I don't give a shit. I may fall asleep before the match even gets here. Rousey then said, If I beat Charlotte at Charlotte's own game, Charlotte's going to be another victim in a list so long that I'm going to lose count. Well, then Charlotte blinked a few times and then she tried to hold her anger in and she seemed confident and Rousey... She left the ring and cringe-like started to slap hands along the way and shake hands along the way up and down the aisle, smiling, yeah, smiling at everybody. Get this woman off of television. Get, first of all, get a fucking microphone away from this woman. WWE, I don't know who the fuck is watching me out there. Get this woman off of television, number one. If you want to keep her on television, get her a fucking mouthpiece, man. You need somebody, hire me. I'll get Ronda over. I'll get Ronda where she needs to be with my fucking promo ability. Putting everybody to fucking sleep. The city that never sleeps. Oh, yeah? You never encountered Ronda Rousey before. New York City. You fucking kidding me? Who thinks this is entertaining? Are you genuinely interested in this match? My goodness. This is your main event for night one? Half of the fucking venue is going to be half asleep before we even get there. Unbelievable. It's about time Ronda goes to promo school. There's a performance center. It exists in Orlando. Book her a fucking first-class ticket to the performance center. This shit is God. And I mean God awful. 
WrestleMania is stupendous. It's stupendously fucking terrible is what it is. Because of this. Shit is complete dog shit. SmackDown women's title. And Ronda Rousey's got the fucking ball. She even botched her line. She said, I'm going to be the WWE women's SmackDown champion. Why do I have to say women's? She says, I'm going to be the SmackDown champion. I don't know, Ronda. You're a woman. You're in the women's division. You're competing for the women's championship. Let's stop the fucking political narrative before we even get started, please. Please, we're not renaming championships because you botched the fucking promo. Holy shit. Fucking working up a sweat here talking about Ronda Rousey, man. This shit sucks. I'll take 10 fucking terrible AEW dark female wrestlers over Ronda Rousey any day of the week. Any day of the week. Awful. Becky Lynch is no better, man. Her and her fucking uh, love for Frodo Baggins. Becky Lynch. I said this on tomorrow's podcast, man. Listen, there's a rumor going around that WWE may actually end night one with Stone Cold Steve Austin and Kevin Owens and whatever the fuck they got going on there. I pray to God that's the case. Now, I don't advocate for a talk show to end WrestleMania. What they did end WrestleMania with a fucking graveyard cinematic match with AJ Styles and The Undertaker. That was fantastic. So if WWE wants to go that route this year, I'm all on board. Because if you end WrestleMania with Ronda Ronda Drowsy and Charlotte Flair, there's no fucking way that match is following anybody. You're going to put Stone Cold Steve Austin in front of that audience and then give them Ronda Drowsy. Give me a break. That match will die a thousand deaths in the main event spot if it has to follow Stone Cold Steve Austin. I'm telling you right now. Mark my words. Have I been wrong in the last, I don't know, 18 months? No, I haven't. I got a track record that's better than Ronda Rousey. Nobody will, nobody will admit it, though, but I do. Let me take a sip of my cold beverage here, man. We go from one rant to the other here. Jesus fucking Christ. Ricochet. Good old Ricochet, man. The new Intercontinental Champion. He made his entrance. Comes out first. He's the champion. He comes out first. Los Lotharios make their ring entrance. They kissed some obviously planted fan in the crowd. At first, they couldn't find her, and then they realized, oh, that's the woman. They were about to walk away without doing the kiss cam. So apparently, this was very weird. Very weird, even from the entrance here. Angel Garza came out as if he was the one wrestling. He's showing off in front of the crowd. He's walking in front of Humberto. And then all of a sudden, Samantha Irving, again, the ring announcer, who botched Xavier Woods coming out earlier with Kofi Kingston, she announced Humberto Carrillo as the opponent for Ricochet. We go to commercial. We come back from commercial. All of a sudden, we see Angel Garza. All of a sudden, we see Angel Garza in the ring wrestling Ricochet. So I'm like, what the fuck is going on, man? Did they change this match on the fly? Was this a last-minute addition to the show and nobody got their fucking cue? 
Nobody was filled in on what was going on with the show. Very weird. Very weird. Ricochet and Angel Garza, man, I'm thinking back to uh, the NXT days, man. Imagine Ricochet on the Triple H. And imagine Angel Garza, right, if he was booked like Angel Garza should be booked. Can you imagine what this match would be if Triple H was in charge? Just think. Just think about it. Angel Garza is highly underutilized. Severely underutilized. And here Ricochet is, is you know, he's getting this, this push. You know, Ringside News actually reported they spoke to their source in WWE. And they said, yeah, Ricochet's getting a push today. That doesn't mean Ricochet's getting a push tomorrow. They were right. Ringside News, once again, was correct for all the shit Ringside News gets. Garza distracted Ricochet when he climbed the top rope. Humberto then rolled him up from behind and yanked on his trunks. Or actually, no, uh, Garza rolled him up. And then I'm, I'm even fucking botching. I don't know who the fuck is who anymore. Uh, Garza was the one who rolled up Ricochet because of a distraction from Humberto on the outside. Two minutes. Garza wins in two minutes over the new Intercontinental Champion. Why is the new Intercontinental Champion losing in a non-title match on SmackDown one week before WrestleMania? I'll get to that. So, Angel and Humberto started to walk off because they knew they had stolen a victory. Ricochet got on the microphone. He said he didn't want that to end like that. Therefore, he now challenges Humberto Carrillo to get into the ring. By the way, they also cut Humberto's name in half. He's now simply called Humberto. Sounds like the fucking uh, guy that's washing dishes back back in the uh, catering department. Humberto. Humberto Carrillo is his name. Angel Garza is his name. Ricochet says he challenged Humberto to a match. Let's do it. The Ricochet clearly has shit for brains tonight. You lose one, you're absolutely losing the other. Ricochet was in control. Had a decent little match here. Better than the Garza match, which lasted two minutes. Humberto rolled out of the ring and started yelling at the fans at ringside. Ricochet hit a drop kick, sent Humberto to the floor. He followed up with a huge dive to the outside, which looked great. Ricochet was in control. Series of uppercups were hit in the corner. He then followed with a springboard moonsault. Angel then caused a distraction, and Humberto rolled Ricochet up for a damn near close pinfall. Ricochet fought back, hit the northern light suplex into a vertical suplex, which always looked great by Ricochet. He then climbed to the top rope. Angel pulled Humberto out of the ring. Ricochet walked the ropes. It's a huge crossbody onto Angel. Before uh, he gets back into the ring, he shoved Humberto out of the way. Angel rolls under the ring. Ricochet then hit a tornado DDT off the table on Humberto. He rolled Humberto back in the ring. But as soon as Ricochet started to get back in the ring, the referee, Jessica Carr, by the way, who was an oblivious idiot tonight, she fucked up calling out Humberto, distracting Ricochet in the first match. She didn't see Angel in this match disappear from ringside. He went underneath the ring. Ricochet's on the outside. He rolls Humberto back in the ring. Six, seven, eight, and then Angel underneath the ring. You see hands come out from underneath the ring apron. He holds Ricochet hostage on the outside from his ankles. He can't get back in the ring. Nine, 
10. And Ricochet loses by countout. He gets pinned by Angel Garza, and then he loses the second match by countout to Humberto Carrillo. Your intercontinental champion lost not once, but twice on Friday Night SmackDown. Your intercontinental champion is the biggest loser in all of pro wrestling this week. Imagine giving Finn Balor the United States Championship and then Ricochet the Intercontinental Championship and then, and then booking them like shit. First of all, why are Humberto Carrillo and Angel Garza vying for a singles championship when they're a fucking tag team? Did we, did we forget that they were a tag team now? Now they're vying for singles titles. Why is there a championship contenders match with one half of a fucking tag team? There's nothing else going on. You have nobody else on this route. Where's Ali? That's what I want to know. Ricochet wants Ali at WrestleMania. You see that? Now you know why he's getting buried. He's actively calling out that he wants Mustafa Ali at WrestleMania. And WWE read this and heard this. And now they're actively burying him because Ali is against WWE. He's not. For WWE. He wants to seek employment elsewhere. So Ricochet's calling out somebody that is actively against WWE. That's going to get you back in the doghouse, Rick O'Shea. WWE's mid-card titles, and that's exactly what they are. I don't even call them secondary titles because they're not secondary. They're mid-card titles. If WWE is going to disrespect them the way that they have been, then I'm going to disrespect them by calling them fucking mid-card titles. They're jobber titles. They hold absolutely no value on WWE television. It fucking sucks. WWE needs a hard reset on the United States Championship and the Intercontinental Championship. This is a brand that is suffering with its mid-card title the way, the way that it is because there's no fucking division. I don't understand how you give Johnny Knoxville and Logan Paul a WrestleMania match, and fucking storylines for weeks. And you have somebody with the talent of Ricochet and he's not on WrestleMania show. How difficult was it to book Ricochet and Sheamus for the Intercontinental Championship? How difficult was it? They've been wrestling every fucking week all year. Now all of a sudden you want to abandon that and move on from that to Sheamus and the fucking New Day? The fuck are you doing? WWE, where is your creativity, Bruce, Vince? Where is your creativity? All these fucking D-list... Pat McAfee has a fucking match at WrestleMania, but Ricochet doesn't have a match at WrestleMania. You mean to tell me that it was so difficult to put Ricochet in a fucking ladder match at WrestleMania for the Intercontinental Championship? Who gives a shit? Who gives a shit who's in there? Book me some qualifying matches leading up to the fucking show. You had every fucking opportunity to do so, and you did nothing. No, but Ricochet's better off off the WrestleMania show. On a show that you're actively looking for spots to fill. Can't do a lot of match. But Johnny Knoxville's got an anything goes match with Sami Zayn. Logan Paul has a fucking match against Rey Mysterio. Pat McAfee got a fucking match at WrestleMania. And his storyline came out of fucking Vince's asshole. Nowhere. Finn Balor, a world-class professional wrestler, been feuding with Damian Priest for weeks now, beat Priest for the title. You're not even going to book that match at WrestleMania? 
Where's Finn Balor on the show? Damian Priest has been undefeated before he lost that championship to Finn Balor. Well, for the most part, he's been undefeated for about a year. And he's not getting a WrestleMania card? He's not getting on the WrestleMania card? What a slap in the fucking face if that ends up being the case. WWE booked this Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal not even at WrestleMania. They did it on SmackDown, which they're calling WrestleMania SmackDown. Let me tell you something, you fucking geeks. It ain't WrestleMania. It's SmackDown. It ain't WrestleMania. WrestleMania's happening the next night. It's not WrestleMania Raw either because WrestleMania from Monday is about six days away. It's not WrestleMania Backlash. The Saudi shows are not equivalent to WrestleMania. WWE's been in this phase. They've been on this kick with labeling everything WrestleMania. The more you do that, the less value WrestleMania has. And WrestleMania has lost its fucking value year over year over year over year. The more you do it, the less impactful the name WrestleMania will be. And let me tell you something. You ain't garnering any extra interest for these fucking stupid shows that you're doing. These themed shows. WrestleMania Raw, WrestleMania Smack. You're not garnering any more interest by tagging WrestleMania to the fucking name of the show. You can't turn dog shit into fucking less smelling dog shit. Sorry, Bruce. It doesn't work that way. Ricochet and Finn Balor not on WrestleMania show. Now, they could be added. If WWE wanted them added, they would have already added them. They're fucking champions, but they're not. They're in a battle royal where they win nothing but a $5 target card. Fucking ridiculous. Yet I'm the one that bitches and moans. Yet there are people actively out there that tell me AEW television is fucking terrible, man. What are you watching? Seriously, what are you watching? Are you blind? Holy shit. When is Ricochet's contract up, man? We need him out of there. A-S-A-P. Fast. That man is not on the phone with Tony Khan. I'd be shocked. Megan Morant interviewed Sami Zayn backstage. Sami Zayn is one of the better things about SmackDown. Sami said his pranks might have worked on Jackass, talking about Johnny Knoxville but not against him. He said he spent days dreaming up ways to make him suffer. He said he will make Johnny Knoxville's experience and punishment in a way that he never has been able to see anywhere before, but in WWE at the hands of Sami Zayn. Pat McAfee, he's wrestling Austin Theory, and they continue to uh, talk about NXT's Pat McAfee when he wrestled Adam Cole You know, they talk about WrestleMania debut, his in-ring debut. They don't mention anything about Pat McAfee already wrestling for WWE television on NXT against Adam Cole. Do you want to know why? Because Pat McAfee wrestling Adam Cole was a Triple H idea. I don't even think Vince McMahon knew who Pat McAfee was before he joined the main roster as a color commentator on SmackDown. He wrestled under Triple H. That's why they don't mention it. And he had a damn good match against Adam Cole. Something that I wasn't really all that happy with going in, but he shocked the fucking hell out of me. And I gave him his fucking flowers. I congratulated him. I said, good shit, man. You proved everybody wrong. And I willingly accept this L. Hopefully you could do the same thing about uh, 
WrestleMania and wrestling Austin Theory. So Austin Theory showed up and slapped McAfee. He ran away. McAfee chased Theory to the back. Theory ran into Mr. McMahon's office and locked the door. McAfee pounded on the door and yelled, rat bastard. He called Austin Theory a rat bastard. Haven't heard that term used in a very, very long time. They talk about Triple H announcing his retirement. They had headlines about Triple H from Sports Illustrated and Bleacher Report and fucking ESPN and all these other people. We talked about Triple H at the beginning of the show. Rhea Ripley, she was out there with her tag team partner, Liv Morgan, versus Sasha Banks, who was out there with Naomi, Zelina, who was out there with Carmella, and Shayna Baszler, who was out there with Natalia. Oh, my goodness. This sounds like a great fatal four-way here, man. What creativity here by WWE. It was actually a pretty decent match, which you could probably attribute to Sasha Banks and Rhea Ripley. I would like to see Sasha Banks and Rhea Ripley actually go one-on-one in a long wrestling match with meaning. I honestly think that they would tear it down. I really do. I I think Sasha Banks and Rhea Ripley match up very well together, and I think they work very well together. All the heels jumped out of the ring, leaving Banks and Ripley alone. Ripley and Banks went back and forth until Zelina pulled Banks out of the ring. Big brawl broke out with everybody in the match. It's a fatal four-way, so there are no rules. So Carmella, Morgan, Natalia, and Naomi were all sent to the back during the commercial break for getting involved. So we are now just here with the original members of this match that were scheduled to wrestle. Zelina was in control, missed double knees in the corner. Banks locked on a bank statement on Zelina. Baszler stopped that. Because Zelina was about to tap. Baszler tried to break Zelina's wrist. Banks locked them both in a bank statement. Ripley broke up the submission with a running drop kick. Ripley went for the riptide on Baszler, but she slipped out the back. Banks hit a backstabber on Baszler and Rhea Ripley. Baszler and Zelina ended up on the floor brawling. It looked very pathetic because they were waiting for something to happen. They were throwing the weakest punches I've ever seen And then they stood there waiting for somebody to jump off the top rope. Ripley was the one who was climbing the top rope that they were waiting for. She hit a cannonball off the apron, wiping out Baszler and Zelina. Zelina then gets up, takes advantage, hits a hurricanrana off the apron onto Rhea Ripley. Zelina tried getting back in the ring, but Banks recovered and locked on the bank statement. And yet another champion. These champions I don't really care about because they fucking suck. Another champion loses on SmackDown, man. Tonight was the night of champions losing because Bruce says, fuck your championship. Zelina tapped out to the bank statement. I will be shocked if Sasha Banks and Naomi don't win the tag team titles. There was even a rumor about this match being moved to WrestleMania SmackDown on Friday, which I hope is not the case. I I seriously hope That is not the case. Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. SUV pulled up in the parking lot. Paul Heyman stepped out, opened the door. Roman Reigns stepped out. Heyman was worried because Lesnar's been waiting in the locker room all night. Reigns and Lesnar, this was a pretty decent segment here. Nothing all that uh, exciting because WWE has seemingly run the course on creativity here. They are all out of ideas, and now they are resorting to absolute chaos and brutality, and Brock Lesnar with vehicular damage is what they're relying on now. They're turning Brock Lesnar into the new Braun Strowman with the amount of vehicles and destruction he's causing backstage. That's what they're doing. 
So Reigns is there. Fans are chanting Suplex City. This is not Suplex City. This is the island of relevancy, he says. The big screen showed Lesnar not in the locker room, so where the fuck is he? Reigns got upset. Reigns called the fans idiots. This is the island of relevancy, not Suplex City. He asked, where is Lesnar now? Lesnar showed up on the big screen. He had this big pickaxe. Don't know what the fuck he's doing with that in a wrestling backstage area, but he's got a fucking pickaxe. He starts bashing the windows of this SUV with the pickaxe. He's breaking all the windows. He takes the fucking tip of the pickaxe. He starts jamming it into the hood of the car. Reigns says he's got four Suburbans, and that's small money. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Uh, hey, listen, if you don't have the money, call up your cousin Dwayne. I'm sure he's got the money to cover you for fucking more than four. Told Heyman he's scared of him. He called Lesnar a dummy. Said there won't be any weapons allowed at WrestleMania. Lesnar bashed the hood, like I said, with the axe. Made his way to the ringside area through the crowd. Reigns and Heyman were staring at the stage. They didn't see Lesnar behind them. He came out behind them and stood on the announce table because he can't confront Roman Reigns unless he's provoked. They turned and noticed Lesnar grabbed the chair. There's eight security guys out there that stood in his way. Lesnar then leaped off the announce table and began beating down all these security guards with chair shots. Usos came out to protect Roman and they left with Reigns and Paul Heyman. Lesnar stood on the table at ringside with a chair and his belt And that was pretty much it. At the end of the show, Reigns popped up on the big screen backstage in Gorilla and said at WrestleMania, he will, Lesnar, acknowledge him as the undisputed WWE Universal Champion. WWE giving us the spoiler here. The winner of this match will be the undisputed WWE Universal Champion. They're unifying the titles. So the Universal Championship will be the one that stays. And by the sounds of this, WWE is getting rid of the WWE Championship. I don't think that's the right idea at all. I honestly think WWE should take the Universal Championship and retire the Universal Championship since it has a shorter lineage and have Roman retire as the longest-reigning Universal Champion of all time, the Universal Champion that has never been beaten. I would retire the Universal Championship and make Roman the undisputed WWE Champion. With all the lineage of that title, that's the title you're going to get rid of? So that could be a spoiler on what WWE plans to do with the championships at WrestleMania. I don't like it. I don't like it. We are going to talk about Rampage in just a little bit. I want to check the chat. We got 2,000 in the venue, man. Thank you guys very much for joining me. If you're coming over from Solomonster, if you're coming over from Fightful, if you're coming over from Denise, who probably bored you to fucking tears and you found your way over here, I'm glad you're in the venue, man. Go grab a cold beverage at the bar, man. Ice cold. You want top shelf liquor? I got it. You want the best beer selection? I got it. Just come ask me. Jesse serving the drinks, as always, talking about his shitty tacos and his fucking terrible YouTube channel and his terrible microphone. I kid, I kid, I love Jesse. But thank you guys for joining me on this SmackDown AEW Rampage post show. Tomorrow, man, episode 423 of Off the Scripts, we go over Paul Levesque's influence on why I think it was greater as an executive than it was as an in-ring talent. 
Paul Levesque retired today from professional wrestling. One of the greatest of all time. And somebody that I hold for what he did in NXT, with NXT, in my heart, man. It really uh, rejuvenated me. And really brought me back to love, genuinely, professional wrestling. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. I see 737 likes in the venue, man. Why? There's 2,000 people in here. There should be no less than 1,000 likes. So if you guys are in the chat right now and have not hit the thumbs up, hit that thumbs up. Get those Super Chats in as well. We'll hang out at the end of the show. Super Chats. Go over everything that happened tonight. Let me know what you guys think of tonight's show. Let me know what you thought of SmackDown. Let me know what you guys think of Triple H retiring. All that stuff, man. We'll hang out at the end of the show. As always, go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. Tons of content. And follow me on social media, man. At JD from NY206. AEW news, man. Tony Khan took to Twitter and announced that there will be a new signing on Rampage. We watch one hour of Rampage and we get an announcement towards the end of the show, right before the Ricky Starks and Swerve Strickland main event. The Owen Hart Cup women's tournament will begin. There will be qualifying matches, which I actually like. I like that there will be qualifying matches instead of randomly picking women out of a fucking hat to be in this tournament. I like it. The Bunny will go one-on-one with the newest signing of AEW. It was announced during Rampage that AEW's newest signing will be announced this coming Wednesday during Dynamite. That person will wrestle the Bunny in the Owen Hart Cup qualifier match on Dynamite. There are no hints on who this person is or this mystery person is. But there are several names out there that are available. Those names include Athena, Ember Moon, Nixon Newell, Tegan Knox, Mia Yim, Taya Valkyrie, and my personal favorite, Tony Storm. Now, I don't know where Dynamite is going to be on Wednesday. Some people said it was going to be in Texas on Dynamite Wednesday. I, I, I don't know that for sure. So if anybody in the chat can fill me in on where Dynamite is going to be on Wednesday, I would really appreciate it. I even asked, does Tony Storm have a 90-day non-compete? And some of you actually told me, no, J.D., her 90-day non-compete is up on Tuesday. Now, I don't know if that means Tony Khan is going to bring her in on Wednesday and sign her to an AEW deal. It's in Columbia, South Carolina. JT Golden, thank you so much, brother, in the chat. South Carolina. I don't know who it could be then. Some people were telling me Texas. I'm like, well, if it's in Texas, then maybe it may may be Athena. It may be Ember Moon. I I don't know. So that's out of the question. It's either one or the other. It's either Athena or it's either Tony Storm. Do I think it's Tony Storm? I don't know, man. I don't know what Tony Storm wants to do. Tony Storm could be one of those those women, and I could see Tony Storm doing whatever the fuck she wants. She could go work for this promotion. She could go work for that promotion. She could go work anywhere she wants and do multiple promotions. I know she's going to be very sought after. She's easily the best free agent out there as far as the women are concerned. I could see Athena being signed because she's been out there just waiting for the opportunity to debut and come back with another major promotion. She got done dirty by WWE. 
It's either one or the other. I do really think that. But I'm going to say Tony Storm. I honestly think as far as what this company needs, I'm going Tony Storm. She's got everything that Vince McMahon could have ever wanted in a woman, and now she's on the free agent market, and it would be fucking ridiculous if Tony Khan didn't immediately bring her in. I could see Athena also ending up in AEW, but I honestly think Athena would fit very well in Impact as well. But Tony Storm, man, she is just on another level in, in every aspect. She really is. She has everything that Tony Khan would want in a female pro wrestler. And WWE really let the ball uh, drop with that one. They, they fucked it up. They fucked it up big time. So I'm going Tony Storm, man. I honestly think with her 90-day up Tuesday, I honestly think Tony Khan's bringing her in on Wednesday. But if it's either Athena or Tony Storm, I'm not going to complain because either one of those women is going to add value to the AW women's division. Any one of those women, period, are going to add value. But Tony Storm and Athena are obviously the two more exciting names compared to the Mia Yims and the Tegan Knoxes and the Taya Valkyries that are still out there. Just bring them all in. Fuck it, just bring them all in. Can't bring them all in at the same time. I don't know if they'll all be in the Owen Cup, but just bring them all in. Slowly but surely, just bring them all in. So I am going to say Tony Storm on Dynamite Wednesday. She'll be the newest signing for AEW. That is not all. That is not all from Tony Khan. Tony Khan's been a busy, busy, busy bee. AEW is actually also in talks with Deanna Perrazzo. Deanna Perrazzo may be the next person to join AEW. Tony Khan stated during an appearance on the Strong Style YouTube show, whatever the fuck that is, that he's talking with the Ring of Honor Women's Champion, Deanna Peraza, who is currently under contract with Impact Wrestling. Peraza was slated to do a Champ Champ Challenge, where she will defend either the A, uh, the AAA Reina De Reynas Championship or the Ring of Honor Women's Championship against a mystery opponent at the Impact Multiverse of Matches special next Friday. So that's another wrestling show that I, that I didn't know was happening next Friday. This will take place on the same night as the Ring of Honor Supercard of Honor pay-per-view event, WrestleMania weekend. He says, when Deanna won the Ring of Honor title, when they booked that match, I did not have an agreement in place to buy Ring of Honor yet and was not booking the matches. Khan said regarding Deanna, with them having a show the night of our pay-per-view, I don't know how it's going to work out. Scott Demore and I are still talking about that because I completely respect their position that they have an event that night as well. Tony Khan said that he would love to have Deanna Peraza defend the title at the event, but he wouldn't want to put her in a tough position of wrestling twice in the span of a few hours, although he didn't shut the door on the idea as he's still taking time to talk about it with Scott Demore. You want to know my opinion on that? Tony Khan's going to respect Impact, and Tony Khan's going to respect Scott Demore. If anything, Deanna Perrazzo will willingly work both shows. They're, they're both going to be in Texas. They're going to be in the area. So whatever the case may be, if Deanna want, if, if it's possible, I don't know when this Impact show is happening. I know the Ring of Honor show is happening at, at night. I don't know when the Impact show is happening. But if it is possible at all, I could see Deanna Perrazzo willingly taking on that task to wrestle at Impact and then wrestle at Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor. But at the end of the day... Deanna Perrazzo is holding the Ring of Honor Women's Championship, and she will be working for Tony Khan at some point in the future to defend that championship on whatever show he does next. 
So it's not going to be where Deanna Perrazzo is the Ring of Honor Women's Champion. She's not going to work with Tony Khan or work with Ring of Honor. It's just something that happened as far as the scheduling is concerned that may not allow her to do it this time. And if it's not happening this time, I'm sure Tony Khan will, will, will get some female representation on that Ring of Honor show in place of Deanna Perrazzo. It's not that big of a deal. It's not. She will end up there eventually. But if it's up to her, I honestly think just by the body of work that Deanna Perrazzo has given us over the last couple of years, she may actually welcome the task if it's possible to wrestle at Impact and wrestle for Ring of Honor in the same day. There's another top free agent that's expected to sign with AEW, more so. Ring of Honor, but more so AEW. Fightful Select reported today that several sources have indicated that the working plan is for Jonathan Gresham to sign with AEW and work Ring of Honor and noted that he is expected to work more AEW dates. They've also heard discussions to integrate Supercard of Honor into the announcement of the deal being made, although that has not been confirmed yet. Tony Khan did say that he's got some surprises up his sleeve, whatever the case may be. I don't know what that means or what he's planning to do. He already announced another match. I believe it will be Wheeler Yuta versus Josh Woods, I believe, at the pay-per-view. Should be a decent little match there for Wheeler Yuta to get his feet wet and maybe open the eyes of William Regal per storylines there. Both sides have said to have been quiet about the situation as the current Ring of Honor original world champion continues to work outside dates. Sources in Impact Wrestling indicated that he's not signed a contract with them and they expected him to be in AEW soon. Gresham is scheduled to work the Ring of Honor show and defend the Ring of Honor world title in a unification match with current champion Bandito at Supercard of Honor on Friday. So I could see him losing that title and then joining AEW after it's over. And Bandito will continue his championship run uh, that he had as the undisputed Ring of Honor champion. Jonathan Gresham is a guy that I've been very excited to see in AEW just because of the fucking matches that I know he's going to be able to have there. You name it, put him in the ring with anybody, man. And I know everybody's won Brian Danielson versus Jonathan Gresham. I'm with you on that one, man. I'm waiting for it. Just give it to me. Inject it in my fucking bones, man, really. This is a great signing. You got one of the best pro wrestlers on the face of the earth in Jonathan Gresham, and he's going to be in AEW with that roster. The dream matches that he is about to have, if this is the deal, is going to be out of this world fucking bonkers. This is a great time to be a wrestling fan, man. I don't know how anybody is looking at this and saying, oh, oh, Tony Khan is signing so many guys. How is he signing so many people? Who gives a shit? You're a fucking fan. Continue to be a fan. Who gives a shit? We discussed this on Wednesday. For the amount of fucking people complaining about how many people Tony Khan has on his roster, stop being his financial advisor. He didn't ask for anybody. He doesn't need financial advisors. He's doing what he needs to do. You know, I don't understand how people complain about it, man, when you watch SmackDown tonight and you see absolutely the same shit every single fucking week. Monday Night Raw had five fucking rematches. But you're okay with that, right? How many rematches do we see on a weekly basis on AEW Dynamite? Zero. Zero, geeks, right? (laughs) Shut the fuck up. Seriously. Shut your mouth. 
I don't want to hear you fucking people complain about Tony Khan and the money he's spending. Oh, my goodness, man. I didn't know Tony Khan needed fucking tax people to come after him. Huh? Too much money being spent. Like, 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 you're, like you're grounding him. Like you're not going to offer Tony Khan an allowance anymore. Give me a fucking break. Seriously. Holy shit. That's the AEW news, man. Big, big, big signings happening for Ring of Honor and AEW in the coming weeks. Rampage. Let's get into Rampage, man. I don't want to spend too much time on Rampage. Rampage was, uh, it was all right. It really felt tonight like a tape show, man. You ever watch a live show and just realize that it's live and it's just fucking energy? And you watch a tape show and just fucking realize and feel like it's taped. The way it flows, the way it just sits, the way it comes off on television. It's it's just a taped show. Yes, Jesse, I'm still live, geek. Make sure you're serving the fucking drinks, man. What the fuck are you talking about in my life? Fuck out of here, man. Just shut up and serve the fucking drinks, man. Yes, Rampage was all right tonight, but it just, it just felt more taped than... Then I remember, man. Rampage needs to be, I, I, can't, I can't stress this enough. Rampage needs to be moved off Friday. Rampage needs to be moved to a normal time slot. Rampage needs to be moved to two hours. Seriously. It, it really needs to be their B show. Dustin Rhodes and Lance Archer. Lance Archer was there with Dan Lambert. There were uh, pre-match hijinks here. Lambert uh, tried to interview before the match, and they uh, had him out there. He was causing chaos. And nearly got powerbombed by Rhodes. So the match finally got started. They were back um, in the ring after being on the floor for a little bit. Rhodes missed a cannonball on the floor. Archer took control. They go back in the ring. Rhodes was bleeding from the ear. Archer raked away at Rhodes' face. So Rhodes was making a comeback. He ate a big boot from Archer. Archer bit Rhodes' finger in a submission hold. Rhodes came back with a pair of clotheslines. He went for his big snap power slam. But Archer countered with a beautiful belly-to-belly suplex. Archer missed the charge in the corner, and Rhodes mounted the corner with 13 punches and a big bionic elbow. Rhodes went for his signature running bulldog. Archer countered, but Rhodes came back with a bulldog off the middle rope of his own. Rhodes hit the crossroads for two. Uh, That is not going to really get over with the AW fans anymore because Cody is going to be using that on Monday Night Raw in a couple of weeks. How many people in AEW are still upset that Cody Rhodes is now e-bound? I don't blame you if you are upset, man. Cody's full of shit. I don't give a fuck. I'm going to enjoy Cody Rhodes on WWE TV. Why? Because I need something entertaining to watch on Monday, whereas right now there's nothing. Nothing but Edge. So Dustin hit Crossroads, and Archer came back with a vertical suplex. He then hit a full Nelson slam, only got a one count on Dustin, Choke slam got Archer a near fall. He set up for the blackout slam, but Rhodes slid out, fell to the mat. Archer spotted the exposed turnbuckle that was pulled off earlier in the match. He went to send Rhodes into the exposed buckle, but Rhodes dropped down and sent Archer into the exposed turnbuckle head first. Rhodes quickly hit a jackknife cover to get the pin. Decent little match here. Not all that great, if you ask me. I'm a big fan of Dustin. I think he's got... A lot left in the tank. I just love the emotion and passion that you see from Dustin Rhodes. I'm a big fan of Lance Archer as well. It it really didn't do anything to excite me because there really isn't a foundation of why these two guys are are fighting. 
that they're in Texas, and the only thing that I could come up with is that they're two big Texas guys, and they're fighting in Texas. So Tony Khan booked the match. Yeah, let's book Dustin versus Lance Archer, whatever the case may be. After the match, Archer was upset that he lost. The jackknife cover, by the way, at the end looked very sloppy. Uh, you know, th- with the size of Lance Archer, I find it very difficult to believe that Archer could not kick out of the sloppy cover that Dustin Rhodes won the match with. Archer attacked Rhodes on the floor, sent him headfirst into the steps. This made Dustin Rhodes bloodied. More blood on AEW television. You know, I, 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 got, I got to agree with the other people in the community that uh, have complained about the amount of blood on AEW television. I'm going to add my own two cents in here. I don't know why everybody needs to bleed on AEW. Really, I, you know, we've we seen it twice at Revolution, and granted, one of them was in a dog collar match, but the other one was Brian and Moxley. And now they said before the match even got there at the pay-per-view that somebody was going to bleed, so I guess it really constitutes, you know, for the feuds that they were giving us going into Revolution, but everybody just fucking bleeds on AEW. You know, less is more. You know, the more times you do it, the less impactful the blood spots are going to be. So less on the blood and do it when it really counts and do it when it really matters. It's going to be more impactful when you do it. That's just the way I feel. So he bloodied Dustin Rhodes. The other members of the Rhodes Wrestling Academy came out to save Dustin, but Archer destroyed them. Archer put Rhodes through a ringside table with a chokeslam to end the segment. So obviously Lance Archer is upset that Cody Rhodes signed with WWE and took it out on his brother Dustin. That's the only thing I could come up with here. Decent little opening match, but really nothing all that memorable. Jay Lethal was interviewed, and Lethal said he had two blemishes on his AEW record, but the guys that beat him, Ricky Starks and Adam Cole, had to cheat to do it. He also lost to Sammy Guevara on his debut, but that that doesn't really seem to be bothering him so much because I guess Sammy, Sammy Guevara beat him clean. So he's got three blemishes on his record. Lethal says there has to be a better way. Feels like he's uh, maybe undergoing a character change or a gimmick change or some sort of direction on AEW television. Listen, more Jay Lethal on my television is a, is a good thing. More Jay Lethal on AEW television, that gets a thumbs up from me. Fuego Del Sol is in the ring. He cuts a promo. And... He cuts a promo thanking fans for their support. Maybe he got confused. Maybe he thought this was dark. Maybe he thought this was AEW dark elevation. I, I don't know. What, what is he doing out here? Thanks, fans, for the support. Lights go out. And then all of a sudden, we see Buddy Matthews and a spotlight on Buddy Matthews. We see Brody King, spotlight on Brody King. And then Malachi Black, spotlight on Malachi Black. The way that they introduced the House of Black here in this segment was fucking great, man. Love the visuals. Of the House of Black. Awesome stuff. So Buddy Matthews launched Del Sol into a knee strike for Malachi Black. Brody King destroyed Del Sol with a fire thunder driver. And the House of Black left. But before they left, they were confronted by the Dark Order. Evil Uno and Stu Grayson, along with John Silver and Alex Reynolds of the Dark Order, confronted the House of Black. Listen, TK, man, we need those trios championships. Stat. We need those trio championships pronto, bro. Seriously. Give me Evil Uno and Stu Grayson along with John Silver versus the House of Black any day of the week, man. Should be an absolute banger. Dan Lambert and the men of the year. They caught a promo on the back. Lambert is uh, wearing the Co-TNT championship, even though Sammy Guevara and Tay Conti said that they had sex on it. 
or sex with it, and there's some sort of unknown substance on the TNT title. Didn't stop him from wearing it tonight. Lambert declares the TNT title is no longer subject to open challenges, and if somebody wants a title shot, they're going to have to show Scorpio Sky that they've earned it. Scorpio Sky said that the open challenges are now an afterthought. Red Dragon defeated the Dark Order. This was Allen Angels and number 10. Seven minutes gives Red Dragon another victory on their record. Angels hit O'Reilly with a leg lariat and Bobby Fish with a spin kick. Angels went for a Northern Light suplex on O'Reilly, but he countered into a guillotine, did O'Reilly. Number 10 broke that up by giving Spish a, uh, Fish a spine buster on O'Reilly. Red Dragon came back twisting 10's mask around so we couldn't see and then hit him with the high-low. They finished off with chasing the dragon, and that was it for the pin. After the match, Fish and O'Reilly continued beating down on the Dark Order. Jurassic Express came in to make the save. While that was going on, Adam Cole, like the Repo Man, came in and stole the AEW Tag Team title. So we now have Adam Cole confiscating the AEW World Championship and the AEW Tag Team Championship. So the undisputed elite, which is now trademarked by AEW, so you now know what their name is going to be, have now stolen the Tag Team and World Championships of All Elite Wrestling. Gotta love it. I didn't know Adam Cole was such a fucking thief, man. Maybe they're taking tips from Bruce Pritchard. You know, Bruce Pritchard likes to steal too. How many thievery storylines have we saw on SmackDown and Monday Night Raw as of late? A lot. Baron Corbin's crown, Boogs' guitar, and uh, what what else? Jinder Mahal's motorcycle, Drew McIntyre's sword, our time watching Raw. He steals all over the place, man. It's unbelievable. Nyla Rose defeated Maddie Renkowski. Kelly Kapowski. Beast Bomb ended in 30 seconds. Complete and utter squash. This is the type of match that Nyla Rose should have always been in, man. But I'm not really all that excited about Nyla Rose and Thunder Rosa. I'm not. First of all, it's disrespectful to Thunder Rosa that the woman doesn't even get to fucking cut a promo one week after winning the AEW Women's Championship in her hometown in a steel cage match against Britt Baker, number one. Number two, I don't like the fact that Nyla Rose has been involved with every new champion that there's been. We got Sheeta. We got Riho before Sheeta. Riho, Sheeta, Britt Baker, and now Thunder Rosa. It's almost like Nyla Rose can't get the job done, and she waits till every new champion is crowned to once again give her shot at the AEW Women's Championship. I don't like it. I think it's, I think it's fucking terrible. Nyla Rose and Thunder Rosa is not the making of a good match. And Vicky Guerrero needs to go away. There's nothing more I hate than Vicky Guerrero's screeching. Seriously. It honestly brings the quality of AEW television down several notches. It doesn't necessarily do anything for Nyla Rose either. And it did nothing for the Thunder Rosa segment. I much rather would hear, I would much rather hear Thunder Rosa speak and tell us what she's feeling after winning the Women's Championship. She never gets a promo. What's with Thunder Rosa not getting a promo? The only time we hear her speak is in 10-second fucking, you know, quick lines in a, in a pre-taped segment. Let the woman fucking talk. 
Main event. Ricky Starks and Swerve Strickland. This went about 10 minutes. This was for the FTW Championship. Starks and Strickland had a very good match in the main event. Easily the best thing on the show. Starks missed the moonsault early on. Hit a tornado DDT. Went for a near fall. Starks had his uh, little posse, his entourage, at the commentary table. They were holding signs up and annoying Chris Jericho. They were there cheering on Starks. They're these geeks dressed in fucking shit clothing and uh, tacky clothing, and they're holding up signs for Ricky Starks. Starks went for a back suplex, but Swerve hit a knee strike and a pair of running clotheslines. Elbow to the back of Starks' head from the middle rope. Swerve hit a leaping flatliner, which looked great for a near fall. Swerve is so good. He is so good, man. I don't know how they fucked him up. I don't know how they let him go in WWE. Another botch by Bruce and company. Swerve went for a half and half suplex, but Starks counted, had a double underhook. Strickland went for a go-behind, sent Starks to the outside, then came off the apron with a standing, running, shooting star press off the ring apron. Strickland hit a double stomp off the top rope. It looked more like a uh, sit-out splash off the top rope, a bunzai drop off the top rope. Starks kicked out at a two. Starks counted a suplex attempt with a roll-up. Starks then sent Strickland to the floor. Powerhouse Hobbs came out of nowhere with a body block on Swerve behind the referee's back. Hobbs looks great. Threw Strickland back in the ring. Starks hit a Rochambeau for the one, two, three. So the outside interference from Will Hobbs is enough to get Ricky Starks. Enough to get Ricky Starks the victory. Yes, Jesse, I will talk about Hook. Thank you for reminding me, bro. It's not in my notes because the segment ended in about 40 seconds. So Hobbs was enough to get Starks the victory. And Starks got the Rochambeau on Swerve Strickland, giving Swerve his first loss. You know, I don't really mind Swerve losing. I don't. It it definitely feels more like the... You got... In AEW, and now you got to work your way from the bottom to the top type of loss for Swerve Shrekland. It is going to be a humbling experience. You're not going to come in here, and you're not going to fucking immediately go for the top spot and get all the title shots and go undefeated. It's, it's a typical route for somebody to take. I'm glad he got his loss. Get it out of the way. And Ricky Starks, you know, I don't see him losing that title anytime soon. I don't see that belt getting away from Team Taz. So the fact that Swerve lost his match here tonight, I'm glad. Get it out of the way. Now we don't have to worry about it. And the win back for Swerve is going to come in the form of help from Keith Lee. Keith Lee and Swerve beat down Starks and Hobbs at the end of the match. There was a big brawl. Starks entourage held up their banners to celebrate Starks' victory. Keith Lee threw some fucking geek through this big banner. And he then ran into the ring, and him and Hobbs brawled. Strickland, Lee, Starks, and Hobbs got into a huge brawl, separated by every AEW official that was backstage. And that's the way the show went off the air. That should be a decent little match when it happens. Miss Swerve and Keith Lee versus Hobbs and Starks. Oh, my goodness, man. That is going to be awesome. It really is going to be awesome when that happens. Seriously. We got, uh, what's his name? Hook. Hook is out there. If you guys want me to talk about Hook, where are my hookers at? In the chat. 
Hook is out there, and QT Marshall ushers him out. He's got this QT Marshall award, this uh, big award for him, appreciation award. And he's out there with uh, Mr. Bailey, Aaron Solo, or ex-Mr. Bailey, Aaron Solo. And QT's going on about how he wants to give Hook this, this award. Hook comes out, and he is wearing this gray hoodie. He's got his hook, mean mug on. He's got this hoodie on, right? And he comes out. He looks like he just rolled out of fucking bed. Did not want to be there. He gets in the ring. He's listening to QT Marshall mouth off at him. He knows it's all bullshit. So QT holds up the award for Hook to accept. He takes Aaron Solo, and he takes Aaron Solo's head and smashes Solo's head into the award, smashing the glass Solo is laying on the mat, knocked out from this shot, and QT standing there stunned, and Hook, without, without breaking any sort of character, you saw him wanting to smile. You saw Hook wanting to smile, but he kept his composure. Walked out of the ring and just left. That was it. Hook said, fuck your award, QT. I don't need it. I'm going to the strip club, and I'm going to have a bunch of hookers. Dancing all over me, man. Fuck your award. And that was AEW Rampage. Where are all my hookers at in the chat? Thank you guys very much for hanging out with me tonight, man. Had a good time. If you guys enjoyed the show, man, hit that thumbs up. I see 855 likes on the live stream chat right now, man. We are so close to 1,000. Can we get to 1,000? If you guys are in the chat and have not hit the thumbs up, Please do that for me, man. Helps out the video tremendously. Hit that subscribe button if you have not done so. Oh, Danhausen was out there too. Danhausen tried to curse Hook. And Hook said, fuck your curse, man. He walked away. How can I forget about Danhausen? If you guys have not hit the subscribe button, man, please hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. Go check out all the other videos if you missed them. Please do so, man. You got Monday Night Raw, NXT, AEW Dynamite. You got two WWE 2K videos up there and an extra where we talked about AJ Styles. There's actually AJ Styles news right now, man. AJ Styles and Edge news. I I think WWE made another change to the WrestleMania card. Originally, WWE had AJ Styles and Edge advertised for Sunday, but those plans changed and its date was decided to be on Saturday. WWE announced the match would happen on Saturday. However, now... The match is back on Sunday, according to Michael Cole on SmackDown. As of the writing, the match is still listed on Saturday on WWE.com. I don't know where the fucking match is going to take place, man. The only reason why they're moving it is because they're trying to determine where they're going to put Cody and Rollins. I don't know why they just don't do Cody and Rollins along with Edge and Styles on night two. Because night two is looking fucking terrible, man. Holy shit. Have you guys seen night two? That's the problem with a two-night WrestleMania, man. If this was one show, it probably wouldn't look as bad as it does now. But you split this show into two nights, man. Holy shit. What a complete disaster. Don't even feel like WrestleMania at that point. But that's WWE's fault. Nobody's fault put their own. Go check out all the other videos that you might have missed, man. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. And like I said, hit the thumbs up. And hit that subscribe button, man. 
I appreciate you guys very much. Let's get into the Super Chats. Super Chats are open. Last call at the bar, man. Get them on in. Joseph Taylor with a $2 Super Chat. Favorite Triple H match and moment. Favorite Triple H match was the uh, 2008 SummerSlam, I believe it was. What was it? The three stages. Uh, what did they do that match? The three stages of hell? Or was, no, that was the unsanctioned match. They did the three stages of hell in uh, Armageddon at 2007, I believe, right? Or was it that same year? I, I'm, I'm bad with the years, man, but the unsanctioned match with Shawn Michaels at SummerSlam. The same SummerSlam where it was Lesnar and uh, Lesnar and The Rock for the WWE title. That's my favorite Triple H match. Tony Brown with an I-99 Super Chat made me hungry, JD. There's a lot of booty meat tonight, Tony Brown. I know you, bro. I see you. I see you, man. Montreal Rather with a $5 Super Chat. 2002. I don't know why I said 2008. 2008. I think I said 2008 uh, in tomorrow's video, too. 2002. Yeah, 2002. 2008. I think, what was that? That was around the time Shawn Michaels was feeding Chris Jericho, right? I'm fucking tired, man. You got to excuse me. Montreal Rather with a $5 Super Chat. Thanks for the review and thanks for the gameplay of WW2K22. Got the game myself. First WW game I bought since Randy Orton was on the cover. Listen, man, the game is all right. It's not the greatest game that I've ever played. It, it still feels more of the same. It just looks a lot better than it did. And it plays a lot better. Colin Hutton with a seven-month membership. Thank you, Colin. Thank you for the recommitment brought to the VIP club. I recently bought WW2K22, and I must say, this is fun. I like the arcade-inspired controls. This game ain't perfect, but it's a step in the right direction. Aaron King with a $4 Super Chat. Watching Ring of Honor, Super Card of Honor next week instead of SmackDown. I am as well, man. There will be a Ring of Honor, Super Card of Honor post-show on the podcast. I think that would be a lot more entertaining for you guys than a regular SmackDown episode John A with a 199 super chat times 2 who is on your Mount Rushmore of wrestling Stone Cold Steve Austin Brett the Hitman Hart The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels do you have a wife and kids just curious no Dr. Strangelove with a $5 super chat Canadian Stampede 1997 or SummerSlam 1997? Better movie director, Steven Spielberg or Martin Scorsese? SummerSlam 1997 all the way and Steven Spielberg. Profi with a $10 super chat. Hey, JD, I love your show, man. I always don't get to see it live, but I wanted to show you some appreciation for your work. Thank you, Profi. I appreciate you, man. Show them more often, man. It's a fun time here. Smelly Wrestling Geek. With a seven-month membership, man. Thank you for the recommitment to the VIP club, bro. Rest in peace, Taylor Hawkins of the Foo Fighters. Another incredible rock talent gone too soon. What the fuck happened there, man? Why did he pass away? And what is with the deaths so far this year, man? 
MGM Bolin with a 499 super chat. Been watching your old reviews from the last week, man. I missed outs. Those were hilarious. Glad I'm here now, though, man. MGM. Glad to have you in the venue, bro. AEW Mark, 2018 with a six-month membership. Pray for the Food Fighters. This guy said Food Fighters. It's Food Fighters, bro. F-O-O, not F-O-O-D. Pray for the Foo Fighters. Their drummer just passed away. I believe Tony Storm or Ember Moon will debut on Wednesday. Maybe Mia Yim. Jesse's Fat Balls becomes a new member. Yo, Fat Balls, thank you for becoming a new member, bro. What are you drinking tonight? Gary the New Man becomes a member for four months. Thank you to the VIP club, man. The commitment to the VIP club. He says, hashtag, hey, yo. Julian Torres with a 199 Super Chat. Shout out, Jersey City and St. Peter's is all elite. St. Peter's Peacock is all elite eight. Indigo, 21 months. Thank you, brother. Hey, JD, much respect. Today is actually my birthday. I was wondering if I get a special birthday shout out. Another awesome live stream. Indigo, of course, man. Everybody in the chat, I want you to throw up not not the birthday cake emojis. I want you to throw up the fucking beer emojis because we're all going to toast to Indigo and his birthday today, man. Everybody in the chat, throw it up. Montreal Rather with a $2 super chat. Rich Holland is the male version of Nia Jax. Montreal, it's not Rich Holland, it's Ridge Holland, like the like the wallet. Ridge, R-I-D-G-E. Sean Stiggers with a $10 super chat. Hope you're doing well, JD. Do you think Roman should beat Brock Lesnar clean with no shenanigans? Absolutely. Montreal rather with a $5 super chat. Wasn't Pete Dunn the guy that was dislocating people's ligaments and fingers? In the rumble a couple years ago and broke Drew McIntyre to his knees. I don't know, man. Was he? I don't remember that. I couldn't even remember fucking Shawn Michaels and Triple H from 2002. I said 2008. Jay Best for the 199. Your work has got me through so much. Thank you. Thank you, Jay Best. I love those comments, man. I wish more people knew about what uh, the OTS family was going through, man. I appreciate those comments very much, man. Hope all is well with you. Captain Solo with a $5 super chat. Do you think Tommy Dreamer will ever be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame? And what is your personal opinion of Gigi Dolan? She's one of my favorites. Tommy Dreamer will be inducted into the Hall of Fame when the time is right. And Gigi Dolan, not that big on her in-ring ability, but uh, like you guys, yes, I am a fan. Matt Carney with a five in UK super chat. WWE makes sense when you view it like this. They are not chasing fans, but rather customers. They are McDonald's. Why do people eat there? God knows. Well, McDonald's is fucking dog shit, bro. Do not inject toxic fucking food into your body like McDonald's, man. What a waste. Seriously. So, yes, WWE is McDonald's. They are toxic. This guy spelled his name wrong. 
This guy spelled, changed his name for me four weeks ago and spelled my name wrong. Yeah, he spelled it with an I-E, Jesse. He spelled it the female way. It's like when people want to spell my name, Jerry, J-E-R-R-Y. They spell it with a G. G-E-R-R-Y. That's a, that's a woman's name. Captain Solo with a $2 super chat. The only way you can enjoy SmackDown is drunk. Even drunk, I'd still fucking rant about it the same way I do when I'm sober, bro. Man of a thousand and five holds $5 super chat. I was watching SmackDown at the bar and during the round at Charlotte, my bartender muted the TV. This is why you tip your bartender, bro. I would have tipped him big time. Then I would have told him who I was and why I shit all over the WWE product and I would point at the TV. World of Wrestling with a $5 Super Chat. Bro, you deserve a Purple Heart of Honor to even watch WWE. WWE makes me want to snap like Slipknot song. Laughing my ass off. There are people out there that that have actively supported WWE for the longest time, bro, and they never see what's wrong with it. That's why you guys are here, man. That's why I'm the number one live podcast in the community every fucking night because I am honest with you and I never bullshit you. Jacob Donnelly, I fail to see how you're a new member, bro. Says you're a new member. I know you've been subscribed here, bro. Says you're a new member. What are you drinking, bro? You've been in this chat longer than I've fucking been live, man. So what the fuck are you drinking? John A with a 199 super chat. Thoughts on Kamala Harris. Sorry, but was curious. I don't talk politics. Fuck politics. James Crawford with a $1 super chat. No message. AJ Ulv with a $1 super chat. No message. Why are you guys being shy, man? You don't come to the venue to be, be shy. You come to the venue to get drunk and talk wrestling, okay? Otis with a five-month super, uh, five-month membership. Thank you, Otis. Oh, JD, I'm such a proud family member here in the venue. Oh, by the way, Jesse left the lights on Wednesday night. Love y'all. OTS for life. Jesse, let me find out you're racking up the electric bill, bro. I'm going to dock you pay. Fucking guy. Otis just ratted you out, bro. Ulysses with a $2 super chat. They should call it the WWE Undisputed World Title. You go tell Bruce Pritchard that, bro. You go tell Bruce Pritchard that. Francis Loop with the $10 super chat. The last thing we should see in night one is holy shit, Chance. Great Kali versus Omas, and Kali does a superplex off the top rope on Omas, and it collapses the ring. Bro, are you drunk? Bro, are you drunk? And Mackie McClendon with a 199 super chat. Mackie McClendon says, rest in peace, Taylor Hawkins. Rest in peace, Taylor Hawkins. Yo, Jesse! Make sure the fucking lights are off tonight, bro. Seriously. Electric ain't cheap, man. And please, mop the fucking floor, man. I came in this morning and the floors were sticky. And don't blame it on Issa, okay? This fucking guy. Jesus fucking Christ, this guy. Seriously. (laughs) Anyway, guys. I'm about to get out of here, man. Thank you for a great live stream. I'm going to work on uh, OTS 423 now. Hopefully for my VIPs, it'll be up in a little bit. 
Triple H retires. His influence, to me, far greater as an executive, far greater as the father of NXT than what he did in his entire career, man. We talk about that tomorrow. Make sure you guys follow me on social media, JD from NY206. Hit that thumbs up, hit that subscribe. Thank you for the super chats as always. And go check out all the other videos on the homepage, man. Tons of content for you. It's going to be a busy week, man. WrestleMania week's going to be crazy. Hey, guys, I'm getting out of here. Let me get out of here, but I need two things before I go. Number one, I need those guitar emojis in the chat. My VIPs, I need those Mustang emojis. And that music, I need that fucking music on Max, man. Guys, I'm getting out of here. I will see you all tomorrow for Off the Script 423, and then I'll be back live on Monday with WrestleMania Raw. I'll see you guys then. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.